Welcome to the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. We make the web do more and powered by Grandon Graphics. Delighted to be joined on the uh, Extra Time Podcast by Denny Ingram. Denny, how are we doing today? You all right? I'm all good, thank you, Dan. Um, you're keeping safe. Yeah, yeah, keeping safe, working from home as it were at the moment. Yourself, you're keeping busy? Yeah, we um, <coughs> from home, obviously got the two kids to look after and, and kids to teach online. Um, trying to plan for next year, obviously looking to go back in September, but trying to get a pre-season schedule up and running, so all busy. Yeah, new, yeah. New equipment and, and kit and what have you, so um, it's all busy here. Just to put a bit of context on that there, obviously you're working for the Scarborough Sports Scholarship now with Steve Brennan and, and Ryan Blot and obviously Martin Dowie. How's it, how's it all going there? Yeah, it's, listen, it's, it's a difficult time for us all. You know, it's, it's a bit strange not being in, in college and on the training ground. It's been frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. As I say, you've got to deal with it the best you can. Um, you know, so we've, we've been teaching online, um, phone calls to the kids on a weekly basis, trying to keep them on track. But more, most importantly, it's, it's the frustration of not being out on the training ground where ultimately we all want to be. Yeah. Strange time for football at all levels. Um, obviously, we deal with, with kind of a Scarborough Athletic at this level, and you've been involved at that level a lot in the past. Um, what, what's your thoughts on the game at the moment, and how how when do you think the game will be back at any level? Oh, it's a very, that is a very very good question. Obviously, the the top end of the of the leagues are in a, a much better situation than what um, grassroots and, and non league are. Um, you know, the simple fact of the matter is clubs at um, non league level heavily rely on fans to, to bring much needed revenue through obviously to be able to get the players in that you need to, to be successful um, and until that can happen I can't see any way forward for the lower ends of the leagues unfortunately Do you think it'll be quite a while then before the likes of Scarborough, Pickering etc are back playing games then? Well, like I said is you know how long's a piece of string you just, you just don't know how long this is going to go on and until things have have been relaxed far enough for supporters to come through the turnstiles. Then you know I can't see any clubs. You've seen it in the in League One and League Two, struggling financially, can't afford to to carry on behind closed doors. So if them types of teams can't um, survive, then I don't see how any non-league team can. It could be uh, potentially uh, catastrophic then for the game as a whole, couldn't it, from top to bottom? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think you know. Um, over the years, the the quality of, of non-league football has drastically improved, obviously, with um, more people coming through the turnstiles and the quality of players at the top end slowly filtering down into the non-league situation. And, you know, with that comes bigger wages and more demand from players. And, and simply, I can't see clubs being able to um, sustain it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be a real sharp shock to to a lot of people, both in the clubs and and players alike, um, to what's out there when when we do get up and running again. Do you think it'll need kind of a sensible approach to salaries and maybe a salary cap at all levels of the game? Well, I, I think it, it needs a sensible approach, no matter what. You know, you you, you see and you hear of um, non-league clubs throwing money around, chasing the dream, um, and ultimately. Um, ending up in financial ruin because of it, uh, you know they've got to be realistic and and players, both players and 
boards and management have got to be realistic and don't put any club in in danger of going out of business. Ultimately, it's the fans that pay at the end of the day. That's the that's the big loss to everything. You know, managers and other people can walk away and get other jobs. Players can go and play for other teams. But ultimately, fans lose the the clubs and and that's the big. Um, the big loser in, in all of it. Yeah, it needs to come so down from the authorities, though, doesn't it? Because you can't have certain clubs obeying by it, and then you've got certain clubs who are still able to spend the money, etc. So it needs to be a, a game-wide approach, doesn't it, really? A sensible game-wide approach. Uh, without a shadow of doubt, it's got to come right from the top. Um, and it's got to be under all one. Everybody's got to be under the same umbrella, uh, working within the same constraints. Um, mm. To give a level playing field right across, now you, you're always going to get it where... Uh, there's ways and means of getting around certain things. I think we, it's been very evident um, over the past year and a bit or whatever. People point the finger at some of, of doing things underhand. So there is, there is that side of it. You know, There's always going to be people that will try and bend the rules somewhere. But yeah, certainly it's got to come right from the top. And it's got to be right through from top to bottom. Yeah. But you're glad you've retired now, aren't you? You what, sorry? But you're glad you've retired. I haven't officially retired, actually. Right, ah, there you go. So you could be making a comeback. That's an exclusive. No, I, 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 it's just I can't admit defeat. No. I can't admit that I'm actually past it. Some <laughs> would say I was past it years ago, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I can't admit defeat. I will, I'll, uh, I'll just keep keep the boots off the air. Six inch nails just yet. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Right, you're a popular man. We've had a lot of questions, mate, so I think we'd better get cracking with him, otherwise, we'll be here all day. Lock, lockdown will be over by the time we finish him, otherwise. So, um, right, here we go, then. Question one is from a man you know very well, Jimmy Beadle. Ask him how many times my dog's ball bounced on the A64 before he caught it. Um, I think it was about six or seven, if I'm being too honest. <laughs> um, the speed of the proton was was lightning that night. Um, not only the the ball, I think that there was a few other things that had been um, disappearing out of Jimmy's car. Um, I took the rap for most of it, but um, it wasn't just me. It was a it was it was a collective, shall we say? But certainly, I think it was about six or seven bounces at least. <laughs> Jimmy, well done well to catch up with it. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy speaks very highly of yourself and of that, of that dressing room and that that squad and the and the kind of uh, team morale and camaraderie. Is, is that is that an area you look back on and a change room you look back on fondly as well? Yeah, I think it's massively important within any any club and any structure is is the togetherness of the dressing room. Um, you know, and you, you you find out who who your teammates are when when things are tough and your backs against the wall and you pull together and you come come out the other side. A lot stronger and a lot, both as a team, but more importantly as an individual and a and a, and a person. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's massively important to have a, a dressing room that's that gets along well yeah. and who has each other's backs. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Andy Slaughter's been in touch and said, "Has Denny ever played at Highbury?" Um. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sure he's got that one off Matty Turnbull. <laughs> yeah, he will. Um, <laughs> It's a well well known fact that um, it's a claim to fame. I won't I won't deny it. I won't shy away from it. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's it's everybody's dream to play at the top top teams and top clubs, top stadiums, and and to say you've been able to play at, at Highbury, obviously no longer here, but what an 
what a theatre it was to play. Um, just the awe of it when you walked in, the marble floors, heated, heated floor in the changing rooms. It was as if uh, we died and gone to heaven compared to some of the grounds we used to go to. Yeah. Who did you play there for? What club were you playing for at the time? Um, Harley Cole in the Coca-Cola Cup. Right. I actually got them two years in, on the trot. Um, so obviously the first year we, it was it was in awe. Um, brilliant occasion. Came off, went into the into the players' bar after the game. Went to order a drink, um, and the lovely lady behind the bar told us we had a free free bar. Oh, so, very nice. Yeah, we we made the most of it. You obliged. There was a lot of clinking and clanking walking back to the bus. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the year after we went, um, we thought we were getting the same treatment. Went up, I ordered. I think it was about six or seven pints. Thought it was <laughs> um, King Dick. And then she asked me for about 30-odd quid. I nearly passed out. So, um, yeah, learned, learned a very harsh lesson that night. So they remembered you well? Yeah, they, they must have. Yeah, they must have thought we ain't given this rabble a free bar again. Yeah. Who, who are you marking then in the two games? Anyone of note? I imagine those... Yeah, just a very average pool. Dennis Bergkamp. All oh, right, yeah. yeah. Ian Wright. <laughs> Paul, Tony Adams, Steve Bold, Keon. They're all about eight foot. You yeah. think uh, you, d- you don't think much of them, but when you stand next to them, Jamie wet. Big group. I thought I mean, for a centre half, I was about half the size. Yeah. Um, but the one for me, that the one that really stood out was um, Ray Parler. Right. You know, some, someone that never really came on the radar of, of being a, a, a great player, but that night I, I think he must have covered every single blade of grass and never got out of breath yeah. and now hearing some of the stories of the states he was in then it's even more remarkable that he was able to do it apparently he's a really good after, after dinner speaker apparently he has some fantastic yeah, I stories I can imagine I think he's, yeah. got, he's got a story or two to tell within that dressing room but yeah. certainly um, there were certainly some characters yeah definitely uh, question three Simon Young's been in touch who was the best manager you played under and why Plus, would you go back into semi-pro management again, or are you content with the work you're doing at the moment? Um, I think I played for some very, very good managers. I think Neil Aspin, uh, Jimmy Quinn, Colin Addison, um, first time I came to Scarborough, Paul Marshall, right up there, is one of the real true gents of, of football. Um, but there can only be one for me, um, and that's Chris Wilder at Halifax. Um, you know, obviously signed there after Forest Green. Uh, walked into the into the dressing room to meet him and Sean McCauley, who I'd been at Halifax with. Um, and straight away, he had something about him. He had a presence about him. Um, and straight away, I thought, yeah, this is my cup of tea. I can, I can certainly see myself playing for him. Um, one, of the, one of the lads, shall we say. But as soon as you crossed that white line and it was time to go to work, then... You knew it was that was it. You know you had to get game game head on and, and do the business. But he would, he had just this knack of man man management was exceptional. Um, the team that he managed to get together when we were at Halifax got some unbelievable players together. Um, and again, not on the on the greatest of of budgets or anything like that. But what he managed to get together. And what he managed to achieve at Halifax was uh, nothing short of remarkable. And I think he's he's um, reaping the benefits of all the hard work them years ago now. So you're not surprised to see how far he's gone in the game and where he's not at? Not surprised whatsoever. 
I always remember um, leaving and, and signing back at, at Scarborough and I saw a couple of Halifax town supporters in the in the town later on um, and they were asking questions and I, I turned around straight away and I said, I don't think you realise what a, how good Chris Wilder is mm. as a as a manager. He was he was exceptional. Yeah. And just the second part um, of his question there was, would you want to get in, back into semi pro management? Are you content? Yes, of course. No, listen, I'm I'm more than happy with what I'm doing at this moment in time. Obviously, we've got new adventures going across in um, to America, trying to recruit Americans to come across and and do a degree course and and contribute the football side of it and help them learn and, and progress that way and so you know it, it, that's a focus for me at this moment in time but, but certainly um, without a shadow of a doubt if something came up that interested me um, you know I'd, I'd jump at the chance to, to get back into it yeah um, question f- next question is from James Tadman what happened in the tunnel when you played for Halifax versus Borough and then joined us so soon after yeah Waiting for this one coming up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not shy away from anything. I think it's there's plenty of water under the bridge now for it to be able to be to be sporting about. Um, obviously, we were playing um, at Scarborough. Being a lot being said in the Scarborough dressing room, I had a couple of friends that were in there um, that had previously been at Halifax with us. Um, and in the build-up, whether it was to wind me up or to try and get one over on me, I think. Um, there'd been a few things being said over the week that had been filtered back to us which I wasn't happy about um, it's all about having opinions about things but certain things you, you leave untouched um, and you don't don't comment on um, so I walked in <coughs> went up for the, the flick of the coin with so-called Bishop <laughs> we kicked off and within about three and a half minutes pulled my hamstring and it was the worst, worst feeling in the world. Waited all week to prove somebody wrong. Um, and as I was walking off, getting subbed off, he turned around and he went, shit, it already in the room. So, as you can imagine, I wasn't happy with him to start off with. He'd said that. I then had 87 minutes to sit and stew over it, waiting for the game to finish. Um, shall we say... I waited in the tunnel to have a few words with him. He kept coming at me. So I thought, well, I better act before he acts. And the rest is history, as we say. There you go. There you go. Fair enough. And then you obviously signed for Scarborough pretty soon after that, did you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it had already been in the... in the uh, Being talk about it, I'd heard a few rumours that they were interested in taking me back. Um, obviously, it was something that interested me. I'd always stayed in Scarborough when I'd, I'd been travelling away to Forest Green and um, Northwich Victoria and what have you. Obviously, done another year and a half full time at Halifax, so it was a, a quite a lot, a lot of travel. Thought was um, due anytime soon, so I thought it was best for me to get close to home. Obviously, things change in, in life. Um, and like I say, I, I knew there was something in the pipeline. Um, and obviously, once that happened, I thought that was it, done and dusted. On the way to training one Friday morning, I got a phone call off Neil Redfern, um, asking as if I was interested. And like I say, it's, um, 
had to pull over on the side of the road, have a conversation, a bit of to and fro, turned round, came back to Scarborough and signed for them. Right. What was it like in the changing room then? Were the players that you'd had an altercation with still there? And was it just a case of... Yeah, they were was, was still there. I'm, I, listen, I'm not one that, you know, things happen. And you can either dwell on it and and worry about things or spit your dummy out or you can roll your sleeves up and get on with it. You know, I've done what I thought was best for me. Um, obviously, Bish thought otherwise. Didn't... didn't um, appreciate me coming into the dressing room, and I think he moved on very quickly to York. Don't think he done too badly out of it, though, did he? No. Really. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he had a, he had an all right career after that, so yeah. I don't think it uh, affected him too much either. If I'm being truthful. No, no, fair but, enough. Fair enough. Um, sorry, say it again. I didn't say anything. Oh, sorry, sorry, I misheard you there. Uh, Richard Askew's been in touch from um, Askew Brook. As an owl, yeah. I'd love to know what he thought of Chris Turner. Um, can't stand the bloke. <laughs> All right. Simple as that. Um, I think he'd probably go the same way as Bish, if I'm being truthfully honest, if I ever see him again. Um, <laughs> just an arrogant man. Um, because he'd been at some kind of level, he thought he could look down on people, treat people like a piece of rubbish. Um, it was very, very clear and evident from, from day one that I wasn't going to be in his plans. Um, you know... Keep hearing people saying the drinking culture in in football. Um, certainly, I was brought up at that time, um, so I didn't mind having a pint after a game and and what have you. Um, he felt otherwise. It was just in that time where things were turning round. I think Wenger had come into um, Arsenal and started changing the the mindset of players and, and looking at things differently and and doing things differently. Um, and I was still having a pint after a game and all this kind of carry on. And then that was it because it um, didn't change my ways, pushed to one side. So, And then, obviously, I get, I wasn't in his plans, didn't hold it against him personally. That's his decision as a manager. But certainly for me, if, you, if you're not wanting somebody in your plans, don't then hold them back. Don't, don't do things to stop people moving on. And, and trying to trying to get on with their career yeah. and I felt personally he, he took it personally towards me and and pretty much put the the blocker on a couple of moves that could have come off um, one that did come off was Scarborough um, so you know I can't I can't say that it was a bad thing in the end no no um, we've had a tweet from at Phantom Doggy. It's a great Twitter handle, that. I'm not sure who it is, but um, how do you feel the first step into management at Pickering Town went? Um, it, was, it was tough going. Uh, it was harsh. Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of phone calls, a lot of hours spent trying to persuade players to come. Um, you know, trying your best um, to move things around and trying to change this, that and the other and, you know, no matter which way you seemed to have turned, you were coming up against a barrier and, you know, it's, like it says, trying to get players in, location-wise. You know, I'm, I know Scarborough's in exactly the same boat. They've got a little bit more of a, of a pull than what Pickering Town have. But ultimately, you would have a conversation with a player and get 20, 25 minutes into the conversation, how much can you offer? Well, I can give you this. 
oh, it's too far. And then, you know, that was the, the sort of barriers that you were coming up against all the time. Um, so it was just a, a never-ending slog um, of, of phone calls, trying to change this, trying to get this differently, trying to get that differently, and you were just you were constantly up against it. Mm. Um, you know, logistically wise, budget wise, um, it, w- it was tough. It was, there's no getting away from it. Yeah, a bit of baptism of fire and management, really. I imagine. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, you know. Um, the year before, we, we, we took over from Marshy um, the back end of the season and, you know, we were able to, in a much weaker um, league, we managed to get a couple of fresh faces in, change things up and, you know, we managed to scrape through by the skin of our teeth, um, which was a massive achievement for the club. You know, one, it was a massive achievement for the club getting out of the league, NCL. Um, you know, it was unbelievable, un- unbelievable job by the, the group of players and, and myself and, and Paul Marshall um, to get out of there. Secondly, to stay up that year, um, but ultimately this year was was always going to be who would finish second bottom. That that was that was the way we were looking at it with the relocation of the league, where you were travelling to. I mean, during pre-season we had. Um, highlighted certain areas where we thought we could pick players up from, i.e. your Sheffield area, your Doncaster area, um, speaking to players in that way, and then the league restructure all of a sudden went from southeast to northwest, I think it was, and it was it just scuppered all of our plans and, and who we'd been looking for. Um, and we found it a real battle, to be fair. I can imagine. Some good people involved at the Pickering. Though. I know Wayne Taylor pretty well. He's a good bloke. And some good people there, isn't there, at the club? Fantastic fans. Um, you know, bend over backwards for the club. Um, people give a lot of time and effort up. Um, which, listen, let's be truthfully honest, in non-league, they're the type of people that keep clubs surviving. Um, they give up time and effort for very little reward, if any reward. Um, probably more E-rate than, than anything else from the, the other half or, or what have you but you know non-league in general if they didn't have the volunteers then wouldn't have any clubs no definitely definitely uh, Martin Foster's been in touch <laughs> okay we go <laughs> how many times did he fall asleep on the way to Forest Green with busy talking bullshit uh, listen that bloke was he, he was something else he's got Jack and Ori haven't got nothing on busy. <laughs> Unbelievable. So we obviously there was five of us, um, self, Mike Russell, um, Busy, Martin Foster, Neil Grayson further down in Chesterfield. I used to meet Busy first at Leeds. I'd get in the car, he'd tell me his story of how his day's gone, how his week's gone, how his last down's gone. Um, pick Matty up, he'd tell him exactly the same story. <laughs> and by this time I'm thinking, oh my god, here we go. Pick Fozzy up, exactly the same story again, and then <laughs> that was me. I just used to pretend to be asleep. Um, I'd hear it the fifth time when Grace got in, um, but literally I, I just put my head down, pretended to be asleep, so I didn't have to didn't have to interact with him. To be fair, um, great kid, long days wrong, absolutely great kid, but oh, it just goes on and on about. 
the most irrelevant stuff that you could possibly imagine. <laughs> I, think was, I think one of them was about our cat being having a shit in his um, <laughs> the bark that he put down in his back garden. And I was like, I, why Why do I need to hear this story five times, Biz? You don't need to. <laughs> it's just a bizarre kid. Very fair strange. Fair enough, fair enough. Another name you'll be familiar with, Ian Dunbavin. Yeah, not Bavo, yeah. How many pints did it take for Buzz to jump on the Sheffield Dogs track? Right, listen, it didn't take Buzz much to do anything, if I'm being truthfully honest. He was the, he is a, probably the thickest kid I have ever met. It was literally, Buzz do this, no. Buzz, I dare you to do this, no. Buzz, I double dare you to do this, off you go, see you later. He was off, no no questions asked, thick as two short pranks. So I'm pro- probably looking way back, trying to rejog my memory, I would have thought it would have been about half a pint. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I'm buzz. Fair enough. And this is something half, that... Um... Half, a, half a pint will have gone on his chin. <laughs> he had the biggest chin ever. That's the reason the nickname Buzz in Buzz Lightyear. Like it. Like it. This is something that Jimmy touched on, Jimmy Beadle in the podcast I did with him. And Lee Fowler's asked about it. Um... Ask him about the Daz's doorstep challenge in Scarborough and how many times he had to rescue Bavo. As for the doorstep challenge, I had a conversation with Blotty the other day about it and I can't remember off the top of my head. My memory's not the best as it is. can't remember off the top of my head what it actually was. But if it's anything to do with Fowles and Bavo, I will guarantee it'll be something absolutely ridiculously stupid. Um... Absolutely, fruit cakes. The pair of them um, again, great lads. Um, still speak to Fowles now. Obviously, Radcliffe Barrow and what have you. I've spoken to Bavo for a, a, a good few years, but you know, great kid. Um, in regards to saving him, I think it was pretty much eight days a week. I was helping him out. <laughs> um, crazy kid, um, you know, and would do would do things people only thought about, would say things people would only think of saying. Um, he was straight up, told you as it was, um, sometimes went overboard, and, and on the occasion uh, we're talking about now, um, to pick on Danny Price, who just wanted to hear the ears, and who was just undertaking going to be a professional boxer. I don't think it was the best idea in the world. Whilst taking on three three bounces, you know, trying to humiliate three bounces who were about seven foot wide and eight foot tall. <laughs> um, I think it was. I saw the, the tweet about his, his tattoos or something, and he once he picked up on something, he wouldn't let it go. He would just carry on, and carry on until he took it too far. Like it says, sometimes he, he overstepped the mark, but you know, it's what mates doing it, pulling them out. Yeah, fair point, fair point. Slightly left field question from at CFD Nelly on Twitter. Did you, this is quite a random one, did you ever get mucky in your career? I saw most of your games for Tagcaster and never ever saw you mucky, but he called you an absolute baller at the end of that tweet. Yeah, Nelly, Nelly's a bit over-exaggerated, but uh, I spent a lot of time on the arse, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but, right back through... That's through the passion and desire to, to, to win us a game of football. Um, but no, certainly the, the times at Tadcaster, um, 
memorable. I think I'd been brought off by a few at the age of 37 and 36, I think it was. Um, you know, obviously went there with Paul Marshall, giving me the opportunity to go and play, carry on playing. And, you know, I, I think it was two years, two, two fantastic years at, at Tadcaster. Um, and again, played with, with some very good players there as well. Were you there with Greening, Jonathan Greening? Yeah. Yeah. What a player. There's a lot of people Very say good. he made things look ridiculously easy. No, ridiculous. Listen, I, I think I could have played until I was about 50 in the team with him. Um, it was literally get a ball, give it to Jono, make another angle. Simple. Very, very simple footballer. That, you know, very effective. Never, never went and took six, seven players on. Didn't have more than three, four touches maximum. That's it. That's if he had three. Um, just always one step ahead, two steps ahead. But yeah. uh, it's a very, very good player. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you've touched on this already, but maybe a little bit more detail. Steve Adamson's asked, any ambitions to get back into management? Um, what kind of levels would you aim for then if you if you were to return to management and have you applied for many positions at all in the recent... I haven't applied, I haven't applied for anything and I, I think it's completely and, and wrong to, to be saying what level and where, where you would like to go yeah. um, when people are in jobs. Oh, I, I don't do like that, never yeah. would. There's people out there that are desperate for jobs and, and, and push themselves and, and put themselves out there to, to be appointed. I wouldn't. I would never, ever, never, ever put myself in that bracket. So, you know, like I say, is any level, any competitive level. You know, I wouldn't rule anything out. Um, obviously, still very, very inexperienced on the management side of it. I think the coaching side and the assistant manager side. I think, I think I've done the, got my badges and, you know, got the t-shirt to be able to do that without a drop of hat. Management side, I think, and. It, Still very, very early days. Um, over, uh, totally different from going out on the coaching field and, and overseeing that. Very different being an assistant manager, the go-between between the players and the, and the gaffer and, and sort of sorting certain things out. But then to have the, the total control, shall we say, of, of not, not necessarily the club, but how things are done and who comes in and who goes out and what money goes out here and who's who's earning this, that is a total different different ball game and, and the step up was is huge. Um, you know, so but like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule anything out, wouldn't rule anything in. There's no time scale on it. If something comes up that interests me, I'll I'll apply, take it from there. See, see where we've got. Yeah. So we're obviously looking a lot further down the line at the moment because obviously Darren Kelly's coming in and he's doing a good job but the Scarab Athletic job I imagine would be a no-brainer for you and something you'd love to, to take on at some point in the future. Listen, I've been at Scarborough, the whole Scarborough, twice. Scarborough Athletic, I'm helping running the under-19s. Um, we're linked up through the scholarship with Scarborough Athletic You know, to give these kids a, hopefully a path from youth football into into the first team um, you know so Scarborough's been a big part uh, of what I am and for the last what it'll be 20 years now coming, coming up to 20 years um, so when I'm by the the time that I moved down uh, I've lived here for 20 years it's a big big part of what I am um, you know clubs a fantastic club with fantastic fan base um, and it, it, it's been a big part of my life so you know ultimately what will be will be, but 
Um, like you say, I would never rule anything out. No, definitely. Next question was from Matt Flint, and it was what happened in the tunnel with Neil Bishop, and we've already touched on that, and uh, so we can move on from that one, I think. Yeah. Um, at 1987HLW, I think someone called him Wit, but I'm not 100% sure. Lee Whittington. Ah, it could be him then, yeah, it could be him, because he says, uh, yeah, don't hear many, if any people, say a bad word about him, great teammate and mate, but can he name one match where he didn't have a go at the ref? No. <laughs> Very short and sweet, no. Yeah. Um, just the way I was, really. <clears throat> that, that mentality of wanting to win, if I didn't agree with something, I would I would let them know about it, really. Um, you know, I would no angel. But I think that a lot of the people can, can say, is it overstepping the line? Um, and sometimes you do, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, people would say it's disrespectful. Well, being respectful works both ways. Um, and certainly some of the reactions that did come from me towards officials were a reaction to how you were being treated by the officials. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't see that. And I think, you know, well, the game's moved on. And I remember starting out, the officials, you could have banter with him. You could speak to them. They could speak to you. They could swear at you. We, you could swear at them. And you just you brushed it off and got on with it. This day and age, it's as if the first thing you say, like you, I'll give you an example, you go into the referees before the game. Yeah, speak to me. You know, we'll try and work things out. Five minutes into the game, decision goes against you. You question it. Don't speak to me. The next time you speak, you're going in the book. And you just think, you know, you're giving, giving no effort whatsoever to have a little bit of respect for for the players let alone players showing respect to the officials Was there a difference in terms of your interaction with the ref from the sidelines as a manager or an assistant manager there was as a player or were you just equally as kind of I think uh, think it rolled over Dan if I'm being truthfully honest Um, you know back in the day I didn't think that referees and officials spoke you thought they just turned up on a Saturday and, and you know, you, you could get away with what you got away with the week before. Um, that very, very quickly changed when people started saying that I spoke such and such, you were like this last week. And I'm like, what? All right, you, you do actually speak to each other. So I think, I think it rolled over, Dan, from you know having a reputation of being a pain in the arse <laughs> to, to officials on the pitch. I, I just rolled over to being a pain in the ass, stood in the dugout, really. Um, you know, I still got my fair share of, of um, kickings off and sendings away from the dugout, um, even when I wasn't playing. So, um, like I say, I think it was just the reputation um, followed me, unfortunately. Yeah, we had three questions in one from Jamie Price. Hi, we go. Toughest opponent and why? In fact, do you want us to answer that in, rather than me asking all three? So, who's your toughest opponent and why? Um, we're, going, we're going way back, aren't we? we? We're talking old school, none of this fancy damn football now where you can't touch each other. And, yeah. you know, if you, if you do lay a finger, little finger on somebody, they go and roll over 16 times. Um, it was blood, blood, guts, and thunder back then. So, um, there's, a, there's a few, you know, Gary Brabham. Man Mountains, Leo 4 West was right up there. 
probably the most awkward player to ever play against. He was about 11 foot tall, um, like a plane pole, but he had arms and legs that would go all over. So you'd, you'd be, one minute you'd be getting kicked in the bollocks, the next yeah. one you'd be getting elbowed in the nose. It was all over. Um, but one that's, that sticks in my mind, and I've got the scars to prove it on my ankle. Um, Neil Grayson, who I managed to play with it, Forest Green. Um, it's only about my height, but could leap like a salmon, uh, strong as an ox, and knew how to leave one on your show, so. Yeah. Um, it was just a, a real all-round horrible centre-forward to play against. Okay, nothing. Sounds fun. Um, best player you played with and why? Um, I've played with some good ones, to be fair. Um, obviously, we mentioned Jenna that end, that end of our careers. Um, obviously, he's played with Yozerot, Scarborough. Um, but for me, obviously, I'm, you know, going into the back of the Hartlepool days, um, and I know it was his back end of his career again, but um, Peter Daisy right. came, down, came down for the remaining few months of his, his career um, and just were in awe of his, his vision um, how quick he was upstairs obviously not downstairs anymore he was a little bit slow and a little bit uh, podgier than what he used to be but fantastic what he could do with the football what he would see how he would make things happen was it was just out of this world like out of this world and obviously you know he had a not bad career, did he? Yeah, he's a lovely bloke as well. I've met him a few times. Uh, he's a good bloke, and an ugly bloke. Yeah, an ugly bloke, but a good bloke. Yeah, he is an ugly bloke. Yeah, he is an ugly bloke without a shadow of doubt. <laughs> yeah, wasn't blessed in the uh, look department, was he? Bless him. Uh, no, no. no. Um, the third so, part yeah. of the third part of the question was the best changing room you've been a part of. Again, tough one. I've been in some fantastic ones. We're had a great dressing room at Harrogate. Obviously, the Scarborough Athletic one when we won promotion was absolutely outstanding. Um, but I'll go back to the Halifax days. Um, you know, like I said, management and the players that that management team managed to get in um, for the budget that they had to be where we were, challenging year in year out. It was that dressing room. Not not only good players, but good good lads, good lads, and, and we'll touch on it a little bit later on. Yeah. But you know, the likes of Craig Midgley, I'd been at Harleypool with him. All of a sudden, you you're back in the same dressing room as him, and it, it just felt right. You know, you, you you wanted to go to work every day. You wanted you when you had a day off, you weren't bothered about having a day off. You you wanted to go in and, and be part of, of what was what we had at, at Halifax and it made the travelling there and back every single day worthwhile. Fair so right. yeah, Halifax yeah. is ultimately the, the best dressing room I've been in, obviously. Yeah. Two uh, daft questions here, but I've been asked to ask them anyway. So Tim Prest has asked, food or Carlin? I think I saw a reply to this. I think it'll be the same reply as what I'm going. They're both the same. Both the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, if I'm not a I'm not a big eater if I'm drinking, so it would be Carlin all day long. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I don't. If I can't eat, I'll just have a, have a can. It'll be fine. Yeah. We'll get by. We'll Ma- battle on through, shall we say? We can always eat later. Yeah. Martin Dowie's mentioned a few of his scholarship days out in York, and he says they're a bit, um, they get a bit messy, like. Yeah, they do. Yeah, we. Uh, I won't. I won't shy away from the fact I do enjoy um, a beer or two with the boys. Yeah, fair one. Without a shadow of a doubt. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I know. That's true. Very true. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this question from Niall Tilsley. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He wasn't. He wasn't my five, five former teammates to go for a drink with until I read that. Yeah. So I removed it. Disgraceful question, really, isn't it? I had a real thing. And if he ever plays for me again, he won't be captain. Simple <laughs> as that. People uh, might be asking where, where his teeth where are. Where the teeth go? I, yeah. th- I think the, the, the teeth were left on uh, York train station platform. <laughs> um, I'd been to the, I'd been to the York to York races. Um, on the way back to the train, obviously a few beers and what have you. Um, next thing, woke up and I was missing a couple of teeth. So. <laughs> fake unfortunately alright fair enough fair yeah enough. Um, I, I get them replaced oh, no dear no good, no good. Yeah. It's, it does it's a long day on the drinking at the races it's a uh, part, part and parcel part and parcel of going to races isn't it yeah definitely just yeah. Gotta get, listen you can, you can cry about it or you just get on with it you know <laughs> I'll just get them replaced when they when they get really really bad they are really bad now but when they get really really bad I'll get them replaced get them sorted then yeah get them sorted then yeah um, Mark Varner's been in touch. Did you did you ever drive to Northwich, or did your car run out of fuel when it got to Tankersley Manor? Right, he's a complete not a joke, that kid. <laughs> so we were given a um, we were given a car by the club. Obviously, we were travelling travelling across Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays sometimes. Um, there was three of us: um, Darren Knowles, yeah, Barney, and, and myself. Obviously, me living in Scarborough. Um, I was the furthest, so I got the car. So I then used to drive it to Tankersley. Then one of them two would drive it to Northwich. So, yes, I did drive. And, yes, it was my car that they were using and my petrol that they were using. So I don't know where he's getting that one from. I think it's very much a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, a very loaded question here from Martin Dowie, I think. <coughs> Big, biggest waste of talent you've seen in your career? waste of talent and, and again I'll probably touch on on certainly one that had, had come to mind um, and I wouldn't say it was a waste of talent yes it was a waste of talent he's, he's still got a really good move up to, to Motherwell but it's a, a kid called Stephen Halliday that was at um, that was at Harleypool with same age as me um, he'd left Sunderland gone down to Charlton to do a two year YTS I think got a little bit homesick, decided to come back home. Um, wanted to come to Hartlepool, did so, played in the first team with me. Um, there was a lot of clubs after him um, in in England. He thought it best to go up to Scotland and, and sign for Motherwell. Um, and I think after that, he, he just went and played Northern League. And I, and I think that move there just wasn't quite right for him. I think he needed to stay in England, even if it was a lower league, one of the lower leagues, you know, like a league up from where we were or, or something like that, or the same league, but a better club than what Harlepool were at the time. Um, so why I say biggest waste of talent, 
Um, other than Blotty, obviously. Um, I think that's what he was getting at. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, mate. Yeah. Um, but other, other than um, other than him not going and reaching his full potential, I would say, I would say that would be the, the, the biggest waste of talent that I've, I've seen. Yeah, so saying Ryan Blot, yeah. And Ryan Blot, yes. <laughs> 100% Ryan Blot. Should have played a hell of a lot higher than what he did. Yeah. Um, but obviously being a, a Borough legend, um, he was quite happy with being a Borough legend. And there's nothing the matter with that. <laughs> no. That's what you chose to do. Yeah. Martin Dowie could and should have yeah. gone on to bigger and better things, yes. He's asked another loaded question here. Um, what did he think of Rudy Funk breaking up the NCL Premier Division winning side? Yeah, um, probably one one area I think is still a little bit raw and, and probably um, I shouldn't go into too much detail with, but on a, on a personal note, um, very mixed messages I got. One was, felt it was time, like you, you go and do, become your own manager and your own person. When I disagreed with him, he then said, yeah, I think you're good enough to play, keep, carry on playing. Um, never really got down to the bottom of it. I think a lot of it was certainly, um, how, would, how would you say it? Um, didn't want to deal with me anymore, shall we say. Right. Um, you know, sort of way he went about things, um, threatening to punch people, right. players. Um, not not in an, in an aggressive way, but the way he spoke to players and the way he'd done things. How he would criticise when there was no need to be criticised. Um, wouldn't praise when it needed to be praised. And there was, there was sort of the back end of it, it had sort of it got a bit, a little bit sour, um, shall we say. And, and the way it all materialised and, and ended up finishing and me moving on. Um, I certainly haven't spoken to the bloke since, um, you know, do I wish any bad on him? No, not at all. Let him do what he needs to do. Um, but certainly, um, I wouldn't be phoning him up and, and wanting to meet up for a drink with him or anything like that. No, no. And it's a shame when, when good sides get broken up, isn't it, as well? I think it's probably happened a few times at Scarborough. There's been good sides that have got promoted and players have left when they probably didn't need to or probably shouldn't have. Yeah, that's it. Listen, then, like, like I said, every manager has got their, their right to do what they think is best for them at that time for the team. Got, got no issue for it. And it, it happens right throughout. You know, like I say, I ain't got an issue if, it, if it's done for certain reasons, that's fine. But it was the way it went about it, the, the contradiction of I think it's time to go by yourself when, no, I don't agree with you, I want to carry on playing. Yeah, I think you're good enough to, to keep playing. It was, it was just, it was dealt with wrong. Yeah. I, you know, whether he admitted it or not, for me, it was, it was sort of underhand rather than just being straight out and, and open and honest. Yeah. Right. Um. I've obviously asked you to. Uh. I've, I've been listening to the under under the cosh podcast with John Park, and I don't know if you've heard that or not. No, I haven't. No. Oh, it's it's superb. It's, it's so funny. Um. And every guest they get on at the end, they have uh, a, fa- a five aside team of people they'd like to go the night out with. So five. I've asked you to come up with your five people you played with for a, a one a get together a night out. Um. And why are you going with them? So fire away, mate. Right. So. 
daft lads. And and again, the, the reason I've gone for this is um, I mentioned about the dressing room at Halifax. Obviously, I haven't seen them for for a long time. I'm going to probably upset quite a lot of people in, in this, um, you know, because I've got some some very very good mates within football. Um, some that I still see, some that I don't don't have too much dealings with anymore. Um, but first up, um, daft lad Ian Dunbavin. Uh, you know, like I say, it wouldn't be the same on a night out if I wasn't getting him out of some kind of <laughs> hole that he got himself into. But a great lad, um, you know, he, again, he, he loves a drink. Um, so do we all. He's as daft as a brush. I'll be laughing at your gone. Uh, but ultimately, he's a good lad to be around and spend time with. Um, next one, another one. They're all crackers, these lot. Yeah. Honestly. Um, <laughs> Matthew Doughty, or Buzz, as we, we know, again, for the obvious reasons, he's mentioned by Bavo earlier in the question that he asked, just does crazy things. He's always good for a laugh. And, you know, you, if you can't be bothered to do out, you just get you just get him to do it. Um, you know, go to the bar, Buzz. No, Buzz, go to the bar. All right, off he goes. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe did you, you'd find him on dance floor half naked if you told him to. Just... Absolute nut job, like, um, and couldn't see any reason why it was out of the normal. Um, that's how numb he was, unfortunately. Um, next one, Martin Foster, great, great kid. Um, probably the sensiblest one out of a lot of us, and that's saying something, if I'm being truthfully honest. But you know, he always, always had his head screwed on. He probably try and keep us all under the under out of trouble and, and under the wing, so to speak. Um, next one, Craig Midgley, a great lad. Again, as daft as a brush, he'll do all. Just a born entertainer, really. Um, so I spent a bit of time with him. And then the last one was our old skipper, um, true leader, all around, just great guy, Steve Bussell. Um, so that would be my five-a-side team. Good night out there. That could be a bit wild, then, couldn't it? Really, it, it would be a bit wild. And they, they, listen, I could, I could throw numerous people into there. You know, Niall Tilsley, um, Coops. It would just, it would just be carnage. <laughs> if I'm being truthfully honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would. It just wouldn't be good. Yeah. So looking but back onto be. the pitch, Rashid's come up with you one to eleven uh, players you played with. Um, so yeah, the floor is yours, mate. Well, if you want to run through. The team and why yeah, you picked people. So I, had, I had a good think about this one, and you know, I again played with some some great players and um, under difficult times, um, through good times, um, and so it was a, a bit of a tough one. But I've decided to go with the team, which is probably made made up of the team that we won promotion with. Um, alongside that. The first year that I actually signed for Scarborough, we had some very, very good players. So I've sort of mixed it up. So I've gone for Aaron Reid in goal. Yeah. Um, the year that we won won the league, um, I think bringing Reid in at the time that we brought him in was just the, the final piece of the jigsaw that we needed. Um, you know, it just brought so much stability and reassurance in, in the back four that was already pretty solid. Um, but yeah, again, staffed as a ship's cat, um, great kid, but all round top goalkeeper that year. He was absolutely outstanding. 
couldn't pick myself, could I? So, well, no, you could. You um, could bang yourself in there. <coughs> no, no, no. That's doing doing this kid a disservice. Um, technically, very, very good, good player. I'm going to play Matty Plummer at right back. Yeah. Um, again, like I say, very technically very good. Steady Eddie. You knew exactly what you were getting from him. Um, good player. Um, left back came to us very raw. He's gone on to have not a bad career, to be fair. Well, he's retired now, isn't he? Um, Paddy Miller yeah. coming in at left back. I don't think he'd be too happy about playing left back like, but if, he's, if he doesn't like it, I'll just sell him. <laughs> I'll let him go. I'll release him. Um, two centre halves again, kids still playing. Andy Milne um, came to us, he was huge, good pace, read the game well. Um, not the best with distribution, but we'll, we'll let him away with that because of what else he brings. And to play alongside a kid that I was here, first time I was here, Paul Ellender. Ah, uh, yeah. Very good. Carry on and play, play at a decent, very good standard. Um, very, very comfortable on the ball. Laid back Larry. Nothing really flustered him. Um, but yeah, very, very good player. Yeah, he was a good defender, Ellender. Um, very good. Be the water boy. You what? I thought he'd be your water boy or kit man. Different 
universe, let alone planet. <laughs> he was he was something else. It used to be the normal Monday morning driving to training. What state is Tate gonna be in today? <laughs> like, you know, the kid the kid and even even without knowing it, he was the ability that the kid had was was nothing short of outstanding. Yeah. And I just don't think he, he fully appreciated how could he how good he could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was he's good value to be fair. He had some good stories. Yeah, yeah. He's, listen, he's, he's he's a he's an interesting character without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Who's your gaffer? Who was who was controlling this lot? Colin Addison. Yeah. What was it? What were his qualities as a manager? Then what made him spe- special? He's just just old school. He told you as it was. You know, there was none of this pandering around. If it, if you were shit, you were shit. If you were good, you were good. You were straight down the line. There was no messing about. You know, he didn't tell you one thing and then turn and tell somebody else something else. You just you knew exactly how. And it spoke volumes of what I thought of him for travelling from Scarborough down to Forest Green three times a week to play for him. That's a trick. And as soon as he left, that was me done. I mm. couldn't couldn't do it anymore. I purely and simply done it for him. Um, just a genuinely nice bloke yeah who's the um i said the worst manager you played for who was like you, you touched on a couple there that you didn't see eye to eye with like your turners and your funks yeah. who was the one you clashed with the most and who would you say was the worst manager in terms of ability um, i could probably be conversely i didn't really say eye to eye with harry dunn right i didn't i didn't you know i had i, I went to whitby and i had this this big image of, of Harry Dunn and of, of how people had spoke about him and how he did this and he did that and he's a great this and he's great that and I went in and I, I just didn't see it. I didn't I didn't see what everybody was saying about him. Um, you know, I just thought he was very bog standard really. Yeah. Very old fashioned and didn't really you know, obviously you you talk enough to um, Neil Aspen talking after Chris Wilder you know did, I, am I, was I wrong to compare that I don't know but just for me with, with the reputation that I, he sort of he had about him and then didn't really see it if I'm being truthful on it um, granted one the best move ever Whitby Town you know it didn't suit me it didn't suit them um, and it didn't last very long but no, it was just, it was just something that just didn't 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 fit right for me. Didn't, yeah, didn't work. So. And who would you say the manager you clashed with the most was? Would it be him or would it be someone else? Or? It probably was Rudy. Yeah. Even, even even when I was playing and and his assistant, it was like you we'd say stuff and you would think what, what I've just watched the same day. Mm. I mean, I've, you know, I, I remember an incident. We, we come in at half time, three 0 up. Um, granted, we were, we weren't great, Dan. Do you know what I mean? We were we we weren't at, at the races really, but we're three 0 up. And he's coming in and he's effing and blinding him. You know, he's this at this person and that at that person and threatening this and threatening that. And me being me, I obviously the old, one of the oldest days, me. I, couldn't just sit there and take it like so. I, I had to have a, my say, um, and I got sent out of the dressing room, mate. Oh, 
Christ. Like primary school. Fucking 36 year old. Mm. I wouldn't care. I only had my underpants on as well. <laughs> but I, I, I physically, I, not physically, he didn't throw me out, but I actually got sent out of the of the change room. That's, yeah, that's not He sent good. me out. Um, you know, so. That, I think, not, not just that though, I just think, it, you know, what he saw. I didn't see and I would question. Yeah. He's quite a divisive character, isn't he? I mean, a lot of the fans absolutely love him. Mm. Um, and some just... Hey, hey, yeah. Listen, he was, he was fantastic for Scarborough. Absolutely. You know, can't, nobody can take away... You know, and, and fan, fans will see him, he, you know, with a scarf and all that kind of carry on and how wonderful. You know, we see a different side. Um, we, we've got to work with him. Um, you know, and... There was, there was just there was issues there that was was very um, interesting, shall we say? Yeah, you know, yeah. it was one was black, one was white, one was chalk, one was chains. It was it was just that's the way it went. Mm. It went. We, we didn't always see eye to eye. We saw eye to eye on on a lot of things, but not everything. Yeah. You know, it was, it's football, as you say, opinions. That's yeah. why we love it so much. Definitely, definitely. We've looked back quite a lot there. Let's have a little look forward before we wrap things up. Obviously, we've spoke briefly before we started recording about Borough announcing the signing of Nathan Cartman today to go along with uh, Kieran Waleji and Kieran Glynn. Darren Kelly, a man I imagine you know from within the yeah. game. Uh, how do you see things panning out when the season does eventually get underway at Scarborough? I think that certainly the three that they brought in, I saw Kieran quite a lot last year, um, obviously when I was made redundant from Pickering. Um, you know, an impressive, um, very, very tidy technical, um, very good footballer. Obviously, I've seen uh, Kieran from, the kid from Whitby a uh, number of times. So he looks a big, strong, powerful kid, can play in a number of positions. Obviously, you've got Carmen coming, who's, who's a natural goal scorer, record speaks for itself. Um, you know, and obviously with the, the players that they have, they've already got, the likes of Kulo, um, Wally, you know, um, Harry Coates will come back from injury. He'll come back stronger. You know, so they, um, Ryan Watson in, um, in midfield, I think is is very very good. Um, he he really impresses me. So I think, you know, all in all, the the nucleus of a very good side is already there. Um, already in place obviously just like any manager um, you'll still want to improve and you'll want to strengthen in certain areas what areas that only he can tell you at this moment in time but certainly no one does he'll have done his homework he'll have um, he'll certainly highlighted certain positions and players that he wants to get into the club and, and I'm sure with the backing of the club um, he'll be able to do that because mm. uh, He's a, he's a very well-spoken man, shall we say. Yeah. Um, knows his stuff. Um, very well-educated within the footballing environment. Um, and is, I've, I haven't seen him first-hand, but I've been told he's a very, very top-notch coach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Looks a lot of goals on that side, doesn't it? It looks like there's a lot of attacking impetus when you add Blotty into the, into the mix. That's it. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got Blotty as well, so there's, there's, there's goals in that team. Wherever you look, um, you know it's, it's uh, it'll be very very interesting to see goals against, shall we say? Because uh, I think the goals the goals for will be healthy. It's whether 
keep him out the other end. Yeah. But I suppose if you go in with the Kevin Keegan mentality, is you score five, we'll score six. So still winning games of football. Yeah, and it's keep more exciting. Yeah, more That's exciting. It. Great, I really appreciate your time. Have any of you enjoyed doing the podcast? Yes, it's been sound. It's been good. It's been a good, uh, good debut, shall we say? Yeah, we'll have to get your pal, uh, Mister Blot, on uh, at some point. I think. I think he's waiting until he retires, so I'll probably just give him about a month. <laughs> yeah, you have to send some questions in for him when when it comes up. Oh, I'll be sending questions in, all right. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Biggest waste <laughs> of talent. Brilliant. We love that. Yeah. No, I really appreciate yeah. your time, mate. Danny, all the best. Stay oh, safe, God. and we'll speak soon, mate. Alright. Cheers now, thank you. See ya, bye. You've been listening to the latest episode of the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. For the latest local sports news, visit www.thescarboroughnews.co.uk slash sport. And don't forget to buy your copy of the Scarborough News every Thursday, featuring all the latest sports news, roundup and reaction.